Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about so much so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The Thornbirds by Colleen McCoola. Joining us to discuss this 700-page Australian Family's Guide to Sheep Farming and Misery is Becca, someone who regrets her decisions. Hi. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) On a scale of marrying Luke to joining the seminary, how much do you regret your decisions? I don't know if I'd scale it in that direction. Yeah, I said like, it backwards. Okay. I didn't specify what was best and what okay. was worst. If I joined I'm just going backwards. Do I, am I then definitely going to drown? Um, no. Spoilers. <laughs> no, if you're joining seminary, it's just to fulfill your life's purpose and experience perfect happiness. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't think I'd marry a Luke. Uh... No, but I'm saying on that scale, where would you place reading this book? I know, that's what I'm saying. Okay. It's not quite marrying Luke. Yeah. Because that was rough. That was rough. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, just to start off the top of this show, <laughs> uh, this book contains misery nonstop, but also uh, descriptions of sexual assault that I'm sure we're going to talk about because it was fucked up. It was. And also, like, just Nazis in general. I can't even I can't even tell if it was like apologetic to the one Nazi who's in it or what was going on with that but the war the World War 2 comes up at some point and you know yeah I I would say this book percentage-wise because it's so long it's like 1% <laughs> sexual assault and 1% Nazis it's like yeah. very light but just oh if you if don't want there. if you want 0% yep. you got to yeah. got to step back now Okay, so this book, I I had heard of the miniseries, and I'd never watched it. I think we're all maybe a little bit on the young end for that, Um, but it was like an 80s or 90s? 80s. Okay. A miniseries based on this that apparently, like, you know, swept the nation. Everyone caught up in this drama of Father Ralph. And all the other 500 side characters. But I feel like mainly Father Ralph. I don't know. Who, I will say, in the audiobook that I very briefly put on when I was at work, he was Father Rafe, which is very Australian, and that makes sense. But he doesn't deserve to be Father Rafe. He's Ralph. Okay? Oh, shit. In the movie, do they say Rafe? I don't know. I will I say, I was listening, I guess, to a different audiobook, because he was definitely Ralph in the audiobook that was I was Was it an Australian to. reader? No. It was an Australian reader in the one okay. I had. Or at least someone someone with that general area of an accent. Yeah. Alright, well, I'm gonna call him Ralph. He's absolutely Ralph. He is Ralph. Because he makes me want to Ralph, yep. you guys. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, I had never heard of this before. Uh, I was not... Like, sometimes we'll read things that I'm vaguely aware of existing, but don't fall within the Venn diagram of my interests. I was completely unsure of what this was when I started it. Uh, Becca posted... And you, and you finished it, and now you are still unsure what this was. Uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Becca had put a spoiler in the notes <laughs> that, like, I felt like once I, once I got to it, I was like, oh, I feel like that's, like, what people probably know this book from, but I was completely unaware. 
Uh, and it is it is just fucking hardship porn. It is 700 pages of everyone is miserable. Jesus. <laughs> and I knew the miniseries. I saw most of it. I think it was when I was in college. <laughs> I can't remember exactly when, but like it was definitely like I remember my mom being laid up on the couch, which means it was either a knee surgery or when she got hit by a car and got a concussion. <laughs> and I happened to come home that weekend because there was a blackout at school. <laughs> and I stayed home and watched the Thornbirds with my mom, who was incoherent. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like um, I read this book, almost all of it, when I was homesick. And I, I feel like that was a positive experience because I was just feeling so bad that I think I, I enjoyed that these people were also feeling bad and and I <laughs> was just like yes I'm on this level uh, actually my life is a lot better than y'all's lives but uh, you know I'm kind of feeling this and it's very long but so much happens I just kept turning the page I, I read, I mean, this book is like 700 pages. I read almost all entirely in a weekend of just like a, a haze of cold medicine and sheep farmers and sexy priests. Because it took me a full two months to read this book. I listened to all 26 hours of it. Oh my God. On a 2x speed over the course of maybe like four days. Wait, and, was it 26 hours on 2x speed, so it's like 50 hours normally? Or oh, no, you... no, it was 26 hours normally, so it was like 13 hours okay. for me. Um, and interestingly, like, it was not, I mean, obviously, it, I wasn't turning physical pages until the very end when I was on a conference call and needed to finish the book still, <laughs> uh, but... Like, so much of it felt to me like a disproportionate amount was like, here's how sheep farming works. Here's how the seminary works. Here's how this works. Here's how that works. Here's what these people are doing. Here's how they made this the new curtains for the new house. Like, it, mm. it felt disproportionately like, here's how we did things old-timey style. You know, the more we talk about this, the more I'm just unpacking all of my appeal factors. <laughs> I've said this before, I really do enjoy, like, slightly boring historical fiction, where it's just like... A little you house on the Australian prairie. Oh, exactly. Like, I love those little house books. I know they're hashtag problematic, but if you just want to, like, zone out and read descriptions of, like, how the butter gets churned and... Uh, <laughs> And every once in a while, they sprinkle in some casual racism, so you remember where you are, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Again, clarify. I don't like those parts, but, you know, yeah, give me those butter turns. Give me that sheep shearing. Love it. Um, although, as I say this, and I've also, I feel like I've had this problem before, where when I list it all out, it really does seem like I should have liked Outlander way more than I did. <laughs> but some, so Outlander was like too much. Outlander lost me. This got me. <laughs> there is a Outlander dress on Torrid that is called Outlander Botanicals. And nice. every time I see it, I just think hashtag herbs. <laughs> it is cute, but I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> I'm looking it up literally right now. Does somebody want to... Some, like, we've talked in circles around this book. I mean, it is like a family epic so the okay yeah, here's one thing i want to ask right away so there's seven long chapters and each one is the name of a character and a date range to tell you where you are in time i couldn't figure out why each 
why each chapter is named after a specific character. Because it wasn't like that character narrated it. And it wasn't even like that character was always the main person happening. I felt like, like, Dane's chapter is, like, really Justine's chapter. And then Justine's chapter is also Justine's chapter. And then Fee's chapter is, like, Maggie, but everything is Maggie. Yeah, Maggie's chapter is also Maggie. Um, Maggie's chapter is also Frank, and Frank doesn't have a chapter. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ralph's chapter is Ralph, but the book is also all Ralph. And then Patty dies halfway through his chapter, so... (laughs) (laughs) So this is... It's a multi-generational, like, family epic, like Renata said. Uh, It starts with the character Maggie when she's four and goes until her daughter is in her 30s. And uh, when we begin, uh, the, the family, the Cleary family, which is fucking a hundred sons <laughs> I, I wrote this out the oldest one is frank who is a shame child and then there's three <laughs> there's three middle sons who are interchangeable which is bob jack and hugh they have no characteristics they like working and not talking very They're, much like at that point yes but then bob stands out because after what happens to frank happens to frank he becomes the oldest that's true so he, he becomes... kind of takes a role yeah that's true that's true um, and then there's Stu, who's the youngest boy and has that distinction. And then Maggie, who's the only girl and youngest child, period. Yes. And then some more children come later, but when we start the book, that's who we got. Um, and then also and- Agnes the doll, who is a doll <laughs> and not a child. <laughs> uh, I just remember... Okay, so it starts with, like, it's Maggie's four-year four year birthday. She just got this doll that she saw in the shops and was like, this is the most beautiful doll. And her mom was like, oh, well, it's her birthday. We will get it for her, even though it's fancier toy than I think they usually would acquire. And the boys, two of the boys get it, two of the interchangeable boys, and smash it to bits and rip it apart. And then she can see inside the doll's head and she has, like, a panic attack. And I just remembered it. That's how the story begins. And I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, and she she's saved, though, by Frank, the oldest, who he always, like, kind of is ba- uh, butting heads, butting heads, is butting heads with his father. They have a very contentious relationship. Patty, the father, is, like, super old school. And he, like believes that women have certain jobs and men have certain jobs and men don't help the women and men don't show affection and, and like if you didn't know by the name Patty Cleary, he's Irish. Yes. <laughs> uh, and they're living in New Zealand and like he is all fucking about hard work. Like Frank wants to leave to do a different type of work somewhere and Patty's like, no, we're fucking no, you're not allowed to. You're gonna be a blacksmith forever, because I said so. But Patty gets a letter from his sister, who he's estranged from or something, Yeah, uh, that she has this big uh, estate called Drahita? Drahita? Uh, you, re- you listened to the yeah, audio. Yeah, you listened to the audiobook. I, I read it just... the whole time. <laughs> I think it's Drahita. Sounds good. I read, a, so, I read something on Wikipedia that said something about how they pronounce it in the movie it was wrong. And there's two acceptable pronunciations. I don't remember We're what any of them are, but I it. believe the G is supposed to be silent. <laughs> yeah, uh, Drahita and... 
uh, she needs people to come work it. So she invites him and his family to come and help her out on the estate. And she's like rich and snotty. And they're like, fucking A, this is going to be great. Like, we're going to work hard for our aunt slash sister Mary. And then we will inherit her estate when she dies. As much as they like fucking hate being poor, they're also not greedy, I guess, is the way to put it. Like, they want to be comfortable, but they're not... These people have a very low bar for comfort. Yes. So they they all head over to Australia to this big sheep estate uh, to start working there. On their their misery boat ride and their misery train ride where they all get sick and it's just miserable. Yeah, because even though his sister's real rich and invited them, they're too proud to ask for travel money, so they go, like, in steerage. Yeah, and mom's pregnant again. Uh, I think... With Hal. It's with Hal at this point. Yes. Um, With another boy. And it's like a really hard pregnancy, harder than any of her others have been. Uh, And Maggie, I think, is nine at this point. So it's been like five years since the start of the book. And living in the town where this estate is, the, the parish priest there is this guy named Father Ralph. Uh, And Father Ralph has kind of been shamed by the church because he talked back to a bishop. And so they were kind of like, well, you get a garbage posting until you make it up to us somehow. And he's very, he's got a lot of priestly ambition, but he's stuck here for the time being. And guys, he's so handsome. He's very handsome. He's so handsome. He's literally the Kate Beaton, ooh, Mr. Darcy comment. Exactly. And, and the, <laughs> that like, is the how way I th- described it. It was just like, ooh, and my cassock is open? Like, <laughs> it's just like, exactly what it is. My philosophy- They can't bring up him, they can't bring up Ralph without everyone sounding to be like, and he was beautiful. And it's like, it doesn't matter whose point of view it's from, women, men, it's just, it's everyone. God, God himself thinks Ralph yes. is beautiful. <laughs> Uh, so, um... And Mary Carson especially thinks that Ralph is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. She is Mary... an old lady, and she is very horny. Yes. For and Ralph. she has super the hots for Father Ralph. So hot. Who, at this point, I think is, like, in his... He's 28 at the start. Yeah. Uh, 28. So he's in his late 20s. He is much younger than her. Much older than nine-year-old Maggie. That's not that that's relevant. Not that that's foreshadowing or anything. And so the the family kind of like falls into the rhythm of working at Dorita, Drohita, whatever the fuck it's Dorito. called. Dorito. Just call it Dorito. <laughs> <laughs> I like our new tradition of just renaming things as foods. <laughs> Listen, we already decided because his name is Ralph De. Yeah. And I just, my eyes glazed over it every time I read it. And Kate was saying she was listening to it at 2x speed. Like, she had no idea what it was. So he just became Ralph Brickabrack. And <laughs> Ralph Brickabrack at Dor- Dorito. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Frank, like, fucking hates working at the sheep farm. He doesn't want to be a sheep herder forever. Uh, he and the and his father, he and their father are are fighting more and more, and uh, he finds out that there is like boxing in town. There's like a festival or something, a yeah. carnival, it's or... fight club. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, like there's a fight club, and he joins it, and his father is like fucking pissed because he wins, 
And the guy who was organizing it was like, dude, like, can I give you a contract as a fighter? Because you're real good. Because he's very deceptive. Like, Frank is very small and does not look strong, but because he spent so many years blacksmithing, he's, like, super buff secretly. He's a scrappy Uh, boy. (laughs) Yes. So he wants to give Frank a contract to, like, travel and fight with him. And Frank already tried to run away to join the army once and then, like, came home and was sad. Well, he he got, like, arrested because he He was 17. So he wasn't technically old enough. So Patty had him, like, fucking arrested for trying to join the army, which is very shameful. (laughs) so in the course of fighting over whether or not fighting over fight club fighting over (laughs) fight club whether or not uh frank's gonna take this contract patty is basically like i'm not your real father (laughs) (laughs) and maggie's there and so is father ralph father ralph is mostly upset that he would say something so rude where maggie could hear yes Because God forbid. But it's fine because Maggie doesn't understand sex and never does, including on her wedding night. Yes. Uh, So Frank leaves and Father Ralph is like, you can never tell your mother that he and your father fought because she's going to be real sad and you don't want to be more sad by knowing they fought, right? And Maggie's like, I trust you implicitly. (laughs) And I don't, like, obviously this book is forever and we're going at a good clip, but, like, we need to pause at all the weird Ralph and Maggie things. (laughs) Because when he first meets her, when she is nine, and, like, he's literally meeting the family for the first time, he goes on for, like, three paragraphs about how beautiful she is and how the remarkable child she is and she's just so beautiful. And, like, eventually, because they have money now, they send Bob and Maggie... To like private school. I think school. Stu and Maggie. Oh, Stu and Maggie. Matter. Yes, 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 yes. No, you are correct. Uh, to like private school, but that's like somewhere near where Ralph stays. So he has like rooms for them that they stay in, and he makes Reggie's room beautiful and fully decorated. And Stu like sleeps in like a bed with a crust of bread. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, this is some well, great grooming. Because Ralph's thing also is like, oh, well, because Maggie's the only girl, like, they neglect right. her and they only care about boys. So I'm just going to overcompensate. Yeah. Which, fair point, they fucking do do that. It's true. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, the probably the response is not, like, groom this child until she is your perfect... <laughs> wife. <laughs> the word I came up with was sunsband, but that's, but like, you know, obviously it's wrong, but also correct. <laughs> thanks, yeah. thanks, Monster Factory. <laughs> He's your do- she's your daughter and your wife. Okay, anyway, so, yes. Uh... Big fight with Frank. Frank leaves and joins Fight Club. And um, Fee, the mother, is just, like, fucking devastated. She is pregnant at the time. She gives birth to twins, and she could give a shit about them. She already doesn't give a shit about Hal. Like, uh, Maggie is basically Hal's mom. Oh, yeah. She, she loves it. I mean, they never use the what phrase postpartum depression, but it seems pretty clear that's what Fee has. Or and just, Maggie eventually as well. Yeah. yeah. We're not, we're not there yet, but like, yeah, Maggie for sure also is will have had postpartum depression. <laughs> Maggie's like basically raising Hal, and then uh, Fee gives birth to twins who are called Patsy and Jims, and 
the maid at the estate basically like starts taking care of them and she is fucking pumped because she her kids have all left and she's like I need more children and then these two children appear and she is into it yeah and Maggie's already busy with her brother's son she is she's still a child so she can't really (laughs) handle the twins yes um (laughs) and then at some point uh there's like a really cold winter and Hal gets sick and dies during the night and she doesn't really understand it at first and like Father Ralph has to explain it to her yeah Father Ralph has to explain in short in a short amount of time to Maggie but not the exact same conversation but he has to explain to her death and periods yes and yet still never explains sex never explains sex she he didn't get that far he stopped and was like maybe you should ask your mom about this and yet she never did yeah because uh, Meg, and she's she's uh, fairly old, too. She's, like, 15, and she starts getting her period, and she is 100% sure she's dying of cancer. Yes. Uh, because despite the fact that she works on the farm, like, n- she's out of school now, and she, like, has a farm job, the book specifically says it does not put her in a position to see animals fucking. So she does <laughs> Which, not... Which, like, that's inescapable, bro. Yes. <laughs> you also, can't go to the zoo without also, seeing animals like, fucking. Also, like, your mom and dad have 47 sons, and I imagine you lived in, like, a very small house before. Actually, I think they might have addressed that about, like, hearing them or something. But just, like, I also feel like it's a... De- I don't feel like it fits necessarily with Fee's character to yeah. just not explain this. Yeah. And I know obviously they're not emotional people, but it's like Fee's story is that she got pregnant with Frank out of wedlock, had Frank, and then like obviously was disgraced. And then like her dad went up to like. She was from a prominent family. family. Yeah, she was from a very good family, had more money. And her dad like was like, Patty, you working sod, will you marry my disgraced daughter? And he was like, sure. And so now she lives this very poor life. And then she's, like, super pumped when Mary Carson is like, yeah, come and have some money at my house. And she's like, I can live the way I expected to. But I just can't imagine this woman whose life was kind of taken away from her, not equipping her daughter to avoid or, like, deal with the same. It's And it's interesting, too, because at the beginning of the book, just, like them ignoring Maggie because she's a girl or only paying attention to her when she's acting like one of the boys becomes a theme later on. But at the beginning, with the whole thing with her fourth birthday and the doll, like there's this bit where it's like the mother picked the doll out and the dad was like, why do we need this? And the mother was like, girls need things different from boys sometimes and dolls are important. And the dad's like, okay. And she spends all this time every morning curling Maggie's red hair before school. So her hair is perfectly curled. And like none of the other girls have curls like this. Yeah, like she, she when Maggie is younger, the first section of the book, like it does seem like the, her parents do pay special attention to her because she is a girl but then we get to later on and it's like the theme is like no like they ignore her and only treat her like a boy and i'm like that's kind of except for how like her only life aspiration is to be a mom yeah Mm -hmm. which is fine yes but but also it's just the only thing in 700 pages that she cares and if it's the only thing she cares about you especially think fiona would have mentioned it at some point exactly but she hasn't. So, so Maggie, so, so Ralph explains periods yes, to her, but Maggie's not how babies are made. Fifteen, and Ralph is like, "Why are you so sad?" And she's like, "I'm dying from cancer." <laughs> this is exactly the conversation. <laughs> He's just like, "God, she looks sad all the time lately." She's like, "I've got the cancers." 
And he's like, what are your symptoms? And she's like, I'm bleeding from my bottom once a month, once every four weeks. And he's like, oh, so (laughs) you're not dying. Good news. You're not dying. Bad news. I have to tell you about this now. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's a great conversation. So he basically only says, like, women bleed because God punished Eve and everything will be painful that has to do with birth, and this has to do with birth, but I'm not telling you anything else now, bye! But also does, like, explain that it's normal. Yeah. Like, yeah this is something that's going to happen. Buckle up. Um, <laughs> and he also has now, like, it's a big thing where he's like, you're mature now. Like, do you know what that means? And she's like, I'm a woman. And he's like, you are a woman. Huh. Weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So There's also, might, by the way, yeah. we're also glossing over how, um, I mean, we talked about how the sister Mary is horny for Ralph, but she also has noticed how Ralph is horny for Maggie, and she's like, oh, you've got your eye on Maggie, like, blah, blah, blah. And he says something about how, like, I I wouldn't have anything to do with children. I'm a priest. And I genuinely don't know if that hasn't (laughs) aged well, or if it aged perfectly, and this was, like, always a thing. (laughs) But either way, I read that and I was like, yikes! Yeah. <laughs> but so, because Mary is so mad at uh, Ralph for not sleeping with her and having his eye on Maggie, she kind of pulls a fast one and she, after, she has a big party uh, and Maggie dresses up in a beautiful dress and Ralph is like, well, shit. And purposely ignores her because he doesn't want to even, like, a hint of people to start talking about how he is with her. He goes to see Mary, and she's like, uh, here's a letter that she you makes can... A, it's a great move, just overall. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to bed right now, Ralph. Walk me to my bed. Let me tell you, I've changed my will. Well, no, she says, here's a letter. You can oh, only yes. open it after you've seen... You know I'm dead, and you've Because I'm going body. to bed, and I'm going to die. Yeah. I'm going to die tonight. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and he's like, nah. And then the next morning, the the servant comes by and is like, uh, Mary died last night. And he's like, son of a bitch. Yeah, she is, her spite is so powerful. It, it's so good. It's, it's incredible. so good. Uh, Every other woman in this book is amazing, but Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the letter that she leaves yeah. him is a new will that basically says like, ha ha, fuck you. You have to choose between Maggie and your ambitions as a priest. I will leave you. This is a new will where I'm leaving the Catholic Church my estate instead of leaving it to Patty and his family. If you really love Maggie, you'll throw this in the fire. If you really love being a priest, you'll bring this to my lawyer and he'll see that it's a new will and Maggie will get nothing and you'll, the Catholic Church will get my farm and you will be in their good graces again. Uh, So that's what he does. And he does the second up, thing to be yeah, clear. Yeah, he does the second thing. And the lawyers are like so scandalized on behalf of the Cleary family. But he also, I can't remember if he sets it up specifically or Mary sets it up in her will that like every member of the Cleary family has like a 2,000 pound. Mary sets it up so that like everyone will be fine. I yeah. Think. He specifically is like, because I remember he brings it to the lawyer and the lawyer is like, I'm going to tell Patty to contest this. And he's like, I hope you do. Yeah. Because this is fucked up. And also probably he doesn't want to make a decision because yeah. he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But so Patty is, and the entire family, like not just Patty, basically everyone is like, oh, but like we still get to live in the house and work on the farm and get paid a fair wage. And Without any of the stress of having to actually care for all these companies that Mary has. Because she's like... 20,000 times richer than any of them thought she was. Yeah, yeah without the stress of having to deal with $13 million. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thank God, we f- still have the privilege to shear these sheep. Thank God. <laughs> it turns out the farm is, like, her hobby, and actually, like, she owns a steel corporation. Yeah, you know? Uh, so they're, like, actually, like, real happy that the church is getting the money, and the lawyers are like, this is fucked up. Uh, but... Father Ralph sets them up with, like, they each get an allowance of a couple thousand pounds, like, each of the kids, and then the 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 estate will always go to their family, no matter what, as long as one of them is alive, the estate is theirs. Yeah, and there's, like, a certain amount of money they can use to hire new people, like, all the servants have a really good salary, and then the kids and the adults both get, like, an annual, like, allowance of a few thousand pounds. Like, everyone is really fucking set up real well. And, like, I'm a little jealous reading this. (laughs) Um... And Ralph is like, I have to go away forever now because, like, I have done this and I've made my choice and I can't be with Maggie because I love God too much. And... Yeah, and, the, and so, yeah. Is there not already, like, a promotion on the table, like, almost immediately? Yeah, yeah. like, almost immediately they're like, oh, hey, $13 million! Buddy, we you missed be you! <laughs> yeah, and I don't understand the ranks of the Catholic I, Church, no. so every so often he would just get a new thing and I'd be like, I guess it's better than the last thing. Cool. <laughs> Um, so they, the, the family moves into, like, the, the bigger house, like, the fancy estate house, and immediately, uh, Fee is like, okay, we're gonna change this, we're gonna do these curtains, like, we're not moving into this house until we have at least one room that's perfect, and we're gonna start with this one, and kind of starts redoing the house. Like, at first she's kind of reluctant, but she, like, fucking gets into it. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, there's an HGTV montage. Yeah. <laughs> and she does grow, because, like, when she's, like, when in the beginning when they're in New Zealand, all she does is work. She works all the time, like, doing all the cooking, doing all the cleaning, dig- making sure the kids are taken care of. And she won't really let any of them help her, except Meggie, because Meggie's a girl and this is her fucking burden to bear. And, and because, then Frank tries to help sometimes, yeah, too. Yeah, because if Patty finds one of the boys helping... Yeah, he flips out. Yeah. So her life, like, goes from, like, straight-up drudgery to, like, hey, you got some comfort to, hey, now you're queen of the station. What's up? And now she's living this fancy life, and she kind of gets super into it. And the other thing that she gets is a part of this... I think at this point happens, where they're like, well, you won't need to take care of so many things, so you'll do the accounting. And she's yeah. like, I fucking love accounting! Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, for free! <laughs> it's true. Um, so they, they move into the big house, they start doing all this, and then they find out when they're, like, going through all sorts like the of... the hoarded sh- newspapers. Hoarded newspapers. <laughs> they find a newspaper that's basically like, oh, hey, Frank Cleary is in jail for accidentally murdering someone during a boxing match. And he'll be there forever now. But and <laughs> and the newspaper like quotes him as like, and we asked Frank if he had anything he wanted to say, and he's he like, just don't said, tell my mom. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and no one did until she read the newspaper. Horror. Yeah, it happened like three years ago. <laughs> and, 
no one knew. And she's devastated. Yeah, so she's real upset. And then while she's being real upset about that... Weather happens. Weather happens. <laughs> weather is always happening in this book. <laughs> this particular weather is like Paddy rides his horse out on the plains in a lightning storm, which already seems like not a great idea. But I also think it's probably unavoidable at certain times probably. of the year. <laughs> you just gotta live that life. Uh, and it hasn't rained in a bazillion years and lightning strikes this big tree and immediately everything catches on fire and I actually kind of skipped through this part because fire is like a thing that I do not like reading about when it's killing people so I assume he I know he died by fire yeah and then Stu died somewhere in there yeah like, everything catches on boar. fire the dogs so- catch on fire and then when he doesn't come back like this fire lasts forever and like sweeps across several estates and it's this big thing and once it finally rains and puts the fire out then they wait and they're like Patty hasn't come back they just figured he was trapped on the other side of the fire and he didn't come home so they all get on their horses and all start looking for him and uh Stu finds him first and they have this whole series of fire the gun into the air so when you find him we'll know where you are and we'll fire back. It's this whole thing that was mm-hmm. so convoluted and unnecessary. But he fires his gun in the air to let them know. And as they're riding towards him, this gunshot also startled a boar out of the burnt wreckage. I don't know where he was hiding. Everything's burnt. Um, and he's down off his horse at this point and the bull, the boar charges him and he gets gored. <laughs> So, congratulations on finding your dead dad. Now you dead, too. Also, there's one important thing that we miss that we're going to rewind a little bit. Uh, Right before Ralph leaves, whatever the hell the name, Dorito, um, he he finds Maggie crying in Mm. the cemetery or something. Maybe I made up it was a cemetery. And he's like, why are you crying? And she's like, you ignored me at the dance. And he's like, well, there are people who would think that if I was dancing with you, it meant that I loved you like a man loves his wife, when really, obviously, we're just bros. And she's like, haha, yeah, we're just bros. And then they kiss. Mm. And it bros is, do. It is not a bro kiss. It is not a bro kiss. It is, it stirs something within her. Mm. Her 16-year-old self. Yes. So then he leaves and... With this 38-year-old priest. Yes. <laughs> For another, I think just because of the fire, Father Ralph is coming back mm-hmm. to the estate. Yeah, because the fire was so big, it made the news, and because he's the owner of the estate, he was like, let's Guess go I check, check on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when he gets there, they're like, oh my god, how'd you know to come so fast? And he's like, what are you talking about? I saw it on the news. Everyone's seen it. And they do some, like, classic misunderstanding before they realize he doesn't real know that Patty and Stu are dead. Uh, so he finds out and he like helps them move the bodies because right after the fire there was rain and the rain is so bad that the river river is swollen and everything's muddy and everything's flooding um so they it's like some convoluted stuff to get the bodies back in order to be uh for the funerals and when he comes in he goes to see Maggie immediately and she's like excellent and starts like making out with him and he's into it and then he's like oh shit like no this is bad so he stops but he's like you know if that is that cool uh uh i don't even know i was gonna say i was gonna make a joke and then i'm just too grossed out by it (laughs) guys (laughs) uh so he stays for a while and he does the funerals and then he leaves 
again, and he is, he has been the secretary to, I think, like a local archbishop, and he finds out he's getting promoted to bishop and being made secretary to this cardinal, who is probably going to be promoted within the church and need to go back to Rome soon, so he'll be going with him. And basically, like, tells Maggie, like, A, like, you have to promise me that you're going to not, like, be stuck on me. You have to find somebody that you want to have sex with who's not me because I'm, I'm a priest and I can't because I'm married to God. And she doesn't quite understand that. Like, she, for a long time, has this fantasy that he's going to come back and they're going to get married because, like, fucking whatever. Like, so what? The priests don't get married. There's a way around that. Um... He also makes Fee promise that she won't forget Maggie because she's the only girl and that she'll make her go to dances and shit. Right. And Fee, like, immediately stops doing that. Does not do that. But then he leaves to go to Rome to be fancy and then in the church. enter Luke, who does make her go to dances. He <sighs> makes her go to dances. Fucking Luke. <laughs> Luke is a trash fire. He's a garbage man, but he not like a sanitation like... worker who they should be crazed. <laughs> yeah, he's a man made out work. of garbage. <laughs> Luke rides up on a horse. He's he's working on the estate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he rides up on a horse, and she's like, "He's kind of looks like Ralph," but then he's very cocky and sure of himself. And he's she's like, like, "If mm. Ralph were even ten times more garbage." He, like, for instance, he has heard her name is Maggie, but right. he thinks Maggie's a stupid name, so he starts calling her Megan, which is her given name, and... And she's even flat out like, I hate that, I won't answer to that, and he's like, alright, Megan. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, like, the first time they meet. Yeah. So that's in case you're wondering what Luke is like, now you know. Yeah. And then One of does... the most offensive things to me about Luke is that he is... A, a blatant gold digger who is not even appreciating the yeah. gold. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to dig for all this gold for Maggie, and then I'm just going to throw that gold into the trash, which is I'm going to put it in a savings account like a responsible person. <laughs> so he, like, wears Maggie down, like, literally eventually convinces her, like, don't, well, you should go to this dance with me. She's like, I don't really want to go. I don't go to dances. He's like, you're going to this dance with me. And she does. And this happens multiple times until eventually he sucks her nipple and they're engaged. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. He, they're making out in the car. He unbuttons her shirt because she's starting to get into it. Sucks on her nipple until he comes. Yeah, he's that. that's his go-to. And then <laughs> says, like, well, we have to get married now because your brothers will be pissed if they found out we did this. And she's pretty sure she's pregnant now because yes. no one's ever explained sex to Maggie. <laughs> so she's like, I guess you're right. <laughs> Guys, we're laughing, but I'm so bummed out. <laughs> so, you have to laugh so you don't cry, okay? <laughs> it's Maggie. awful. Um, she says she doesn't want a big fancy wedding. She just wants to go down to, like, town hall and have it done there. And he tries to, like, right before they go, he's like, just so you know, I'm super traditional, so all of your money is going to be mine after we get married. And she's like, oh, well, like, that's how marriage works, so we're cool. And he's like, excellent, we're cool. Everything you own is mine now, forever. That money in your purse, give it to me, it's mine now. Like... Yeah, then, and Maggie is definitively cool with this. She's like, yes. yeah, I don't think women should have property. 
And after the wedding, he's like, all right, so I got this job cutting sugar cane in some gross, humid part of Australia. West Queensland. We need to leave literally right after the ceremony in our wedding clothes. And also, I didn't buy us sleeping cars. So we have to sit up on the train for six days. Yeah. This is what I mean about him being an inept gold digger. Like, she's <laughs> like, even like, well, there's plenty money. of money. Why wouldn't you get us, like, better train tickets? And he's like, we're saving that money. Because his whole plan is like, we're going to save the money, and then I'm going to buy us our own estate, and I'm going to run it, and it's going to be great. Yeah, and it's like, except- Maggie has decent money, but she doesn't have, like, whole estate money. No. I don't know what the currency conversion <laughs> is, but they need a lot of it. But not as much as Luke seems to think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So literally after six days sitting up on the train and feeling sick to her stomach because she's gone from a place with fairly temperate, a fairly temperate climate where it gets hot, but it's never humid to a place where it is 90% humidity all the time and 90 degrees. And she literally passes out for two days and then she wakes up and Luke is like, and here's the part where it gets into sexual salty. <laughs> Uh, Luke is like, hey, like, fucking time to have sex now. It's our honeymoon. And she's like, what do you mean? And he's like, you know what I mean. Of course. And she's like, I don't. What are you trying to do? Like, stop it. And, like, literally starts screaming when he starts shoving his dick into her. And she is literally screaming at him to stop. And he does it three times. Yeah, it's upsetting. And she at least is like, well, maybe I'll have a baby soon. Yeah, and that will make it worthwhile. And then here's the... So this book... Except he is obsessed with... He doesn't want them to have a baby. He doesn't want a baby because the baby will cost more money. They need to save that money. So he makes sure they use contraception all the time. But But here's the thing about these books. So they're from mainly like a third person omniscient narrator who sort of picks and chooses what they're going to tell you about. And so we get this, like, assault scene, and it's mostly Maggie being like, it's horrible, but then we have Luke thinking, like, uh, well, like, at least I'm making sure that she won't get pregnant. And at first, when we have Luke's thoughts about it, it's not clear to me what he means. So I was like, is he pulling out, I guess? Or, like, what the fuck? And then eventually it's revealed that he's using French letters, a.k.a. condoms. But, like, old-timey, awful condoms... Yeah, like are n- not at all anything close to lubricated and make it incredibly extra painful for her. Yeah, and she doesn't know what they are. She doesn't know what's happening. It's horrible. She doesn't know how sex happen. How like what sex is? How babies happen? Uh, and he also tells her that he's leaving to work the sugarcane fields, and so he got her a job. He's not buying her a house. He got her a job as a live-in maid for a couple, and, like, that's just where she'll be forever, and then maybe he'll see her on Sundays. Yeah, well, at first he says, like, oh, we can see each other on Sundays, it won't be that bad, but then he never comes on Sundays. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, literally a month at least. Yeah. Before he finally rolls up and is like, let's fuck. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, how about you just suck my nipple? You seem into that. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, okay. (laughs) The only um, good thing is the couple she lives for, she works for is, like, really nice and chill, and they're like, oh, Luke's a dirtbag, we gotta look out for Maggie, and I was like, bless you. Their yes. names are Anne and Luddy Mueller, and they're German-Australian, and just bless them. Yeah, they're great. And, like, like you know, when, like, Maggie, who's still dressing, 
you know, very appropriately for her station and for her, the period and for the weather she is used to. They're like, you need to put on some short shorts immediately because it is hot <laughs> as fuck out here. <laughs> it's just very cute. <laughs> she puts on she puts on Anne's clothes, like shorts and a tank top. Instead and, of like full pantyhose and, you know. And Anne is immediately like, oh my God, you look so much, much better than me in those. Like, you look amazing, Maggie. <laughs> They're super cute. I love them. Uh, so uh, Maggie eventually realizes when they're having sex at one point uh, that like she he... sees him putting on a French letter or something, and she's like, "What is that?" And he explains, and she's like, "Oh no!" So like this horrible thing is happening, and there's not even a chance that I'll have a baby, which is the only thing I've ever wanted in this entire world, except for Father Ralph. Fuck you. <laughs> so she, she tricks Who him. Who is also sort of a baby. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, because he does, like, we were not being facetious. Like, sometimes he just sucks her nipple to get off. So he's doing that (laughs) at one point, and she, like, slips his dick inside her. And he's like, oh, like... A typical, like, man of, like, it just feels so good, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh, no, like, but you'll get pregnant. And she's like, no, it all ran out. I could feel it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is really, like, bold to go from, like, I know nothing to, like, I will con this man. Who also actually secretly knows nothing. Yeah. Uh, and so she does get pregnant and she's super stoked, but her pregnancy is real shitty and her labor's real shitty. Luke doesn't give a shit. Luke doesn't even come home until like the baby's like a month old or something. Yeah. And she's in labor and it's awful. And Father Ralph shows up. And I can't remember if he was just like going to visit her anyway or if he had like a premonition that she was unwell. But he shows up. I don't even remember. So he's with her, like, through her labor, and he, like, helps take care of the baby for the first couple days. Uh, the baby's named Justine. And then he leaves again, and Maggie is, like, super postpartum depression-y. So Anne... Justine is a weird baby. Yeah, she's yeah. a weird All baby. everyone talks about, like, they're basically, like, being like, Justine is an ugly baby without saying Justine is an ugly baby. And also just, like, weird temperament, doesn't really care for anyone... But also, I don't think she, like, cries a lot. She just doesn't have yeah. any... There's just nothing going on there. Yeah. Yeah, she's, like, a sociopath baby. Yes. And um, this book is very... Thro- it's very interesting what color people's eyes are. So, like, Luke and, yes. and Ralph both have, like, very beautiful blue eyes. And Justine has, like, very light-colored eyes, like some sort of demon spawn child. <laughs> and true. Maggie is not into it. Yes. Uh, so, Anne and Luddy feel so bad that, like, Maggie's life is so shit that they give her a vacation on Matlock Island, which is, like, a honeymooner island that's totally isolated uh, so that she can just, like, have a break. So she goes... And here's what I... Here's... Guys, here's how great of humans Anne and Letty are, is they're framing this vacation to her, and they're like... And so you... It's totally isolated. You can just go and be by yourself, and you don't have to talk to anyone at all for two months. (laughs) And they literally tell her that. And I was like, what... What do I have to do to get a vacation where I don't have to talk to anyone for two months? <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> so they they try to get, they send her off there and they try to get Luke to go because Luke comes by to visit and they're like, we sent her on vacation. You should go join her. And he's like, fuck no. I have to work. I gotta work the cane with Arnie. Yes. <laughs> by the way, this book also is, for being published in like 1982, is like, a lot more savvy about homosexuality than like almost anything else we've read. 1977, I want to oh, say, but yeah, still because it, like, it's like Luke, 
Luke wasn't a homosexual, but if he were, he should have married Arnie. Yes. Yes. Because they're just, like, work bros. And there's some more gay people later on. But they're definitely, like, referenced several times. Yes. And we all said in the document, like, this book acknowledges homosexuals more than most books that get read on this show. Yeah, and for all the churchiness that was in it, like, I don't think there's maybe, like, one comment where it's shamey, but overall... I even thought it was so interesting. We didn't even talk about this, even though it's one of the dramatic readings. Ralph gets his dick out for Mary Carson at one point. He's just, like... It's my dick, and she's like, "What a nice dick that is!" <laughs> Except it's flaccid and he, all the time, which is a thing he has. And she's like, "What? Do you need a woman?" And he's like, "No." She's like, "You need a guy?" And he's like, "No." And I was just like, "Oh, Mary Carson." And there's and, a well, and the cardinal says that too. Yes. Yeah. His new cardinal boss is trying to figure out like what his What's big your secret is. So he like secretly like has women come by yes. to try to seduce him and men. <laughs> and he's like. Oh. Yes. And specifically works, so handsome, just... handsome homosexuals. Yes. <laughs> but it's just never like, oh, so then we can kick you out. It's just like, we just want to know your deal, bro. What's going to get that flaccid penis going? <laughs> Maggie. Um, Nine-year-old Maggie. Yeah, we, we all know it. So, uh, <laughs> fittingly enough, so Luke shows up and they're like, why don't you go hang out with Maggie? And he's like, fuck no. And then Ralph shows up and uh, Anne and Luddy are like, Hey, Why so don't you go to Vacation Island? Maggie's on this island on vacation where literally no one would recognize you if you were there. Because you wouldn't see anybody. Y'all can, like, the biggest selling point of this island all the time is, like, you can walk around naked because no one will see you. Uh, so he goes out there and uh, he goes under, they tell him to go under Luke's name because they had given Luke's name to the island with the hope that he would join Maggie. Right. So he does. So they're all like, oh, like her handsome, charming husband has shown up. And then they fuck. Yo. And it's good sex, unlike the bad Luke sex. Yeah. And his penis is not flaccid anymore. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he leaves and then Maggie immediately knows that she's pregnant. Yep. Um, so she she doesn't want uh, her new child to like grow up like as a bastard. So the first thing she does is find out where Luke is, show up there, have sex with him, and She's then like, get away from my nipple. We're doing this for real, <laughs> and then immediately be like, "We're through. I'm leaving you." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, one one thing I want to mention real quick before we move away from Luke forever, which is about to happen is, uh, okay, so not only is Luke not horny for Ernie, but it's mentioned multiple times how he's just, like, he loves work, and he, like, gets off on just working really hard. But this is, Luke and his cane cutting is also the place where the book's casual racism becomes the least casual, like, more, the most formal racism, I guess? Because, like, um, you know, normally this is a job for, like, Chinese coolies, but they just aren't as motivated, like, they don't do it as good as white people, and so, you know, it's really hard work, but white people are the most motivated to do it, and it's this, like, really fucked up digression. And, you know what, and it's Luke's fault. Fuck Luke. (laughs) So, uh, Maggie goes back to uh, Drahita and gives birth to a little boy named Dane, and he's perfect, and he looks perfect, and his labor is perfect, and he's early, but he's just, like, the best baby in the world, and everyone loves him, um, and uh, World War Two starts happening, 
So two of the twin brothers, Jim's and Patsy, go off to fight in the war. All the brothers want to go, but, like, they draw straws or something. Yeah, they, yeah, they debate. And, well, and Jim's and Patsy are like, we should go because we're, like, a package deal. They're like, you're only, like, you think they're too young even, but they're like, yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to war. Um, and Ralph is promoted to cardinal and, like, has a position in the Vatican, and it's real fancy. The most fancy. Yes. Um, and, uh, Patsy and Jim survive, like, this assault in Egypt and are able to come home, but then when they're fighting at home, Patsy gets his dick shot off. Again, literally. <laughs> yeah. He's and, okay. He lives, but dicklessly. Yes. And so Jim's is like, well, if you can't get married, I'm not going to get married either. Which also, like, is a theme for all these brothers. None yeah. of these brothers ever marry. No. Nope. Their brothers are all married women. to their work. Yeah. They're married to the sheep. Um, so when Dane, at one point, um, Fee talks, like, very frankly to Maggie and is like, so, Dane looks just like his dad, and Maggie's like, oh, I don't think he looks that much like Frank, and she's like, no, his real Luke. dad, Father Ralph, who <laughs> yeah, you look, fucked. Luke, not Frank. Oh, yeah. Yes. But, <laughs> no, all these boy names are interchangeable, yes. I understand. Uh, I just want to be clear, that he has a... He has a fucked up parentage, but it's not incestuous. No. <laughs> and uh, she's like, you know, you fucked Father Ralph. And Maggie's like, oh, I can't believe you would accuse me. She's like, girl, I know. Like, I fucked someone else for your brother. Remember that? Like, Frank, remember I had an affair? Like, I know the signs. And she, like, holds on to it as long as possible. And then finally is like, yes, I fucked Father Ralph. And this yeah. is his child. And, like, now that um, Maggie and Fee have... I really like the mother and daughter relationships in this book, the way they were portrayed. They're like, they have this kind of thorny relationship, but they, they get each other ultimately. Yeah. Um, so gosh, what else happens? Anne comes to live at Drahida because Letty dies and she had been visiting every year for Christmas, but now she just moves in full time. Mm -hmm. Um, Ralph, Ralph comes back to visit Australia uh, I think he gets, like, some vacation after he's promoted or whatever, and so he meets Dane, who is the perfect boy, and perfect Dane is like, oh my god, Father Ralph is the perfect priest, and when I grow up, I want to be a, a, a perfect priest, just like perfect Ralph, and it's this little priestly love fest. Anna, Justine, who is, um, I don't know if we mentioned her by name, but she is Maggie's daughter yeah. with Luke. We uh, did. She has the devil's eyes and yes, doesn't like yes. anything. And, she she uh, likes Dane, she likes nothing else. Yes, and Dane gets along better with her than anyone else, and Maggie is jealous of that. But she also, yeah, like, she doesn't fucking like anyone else. Um, and they send them off to boarding school. Oh, um, Father Ralph gets Frank paroled. Yeah, because so he gets to come home and live. Yes. Um, so they go to boarding school Which, for Which, like... Long. Pointlessly, yeah, like that never came to anything. I figured something would happen. They're like, "No, Frank's just here now." Yep. And I was like, "All right, cool book." Um, so they go off. The kids go off to boarding school. Justine decides she's going to become an actress, um, a stage actress, and Dane announces that he is he wants to become a priest. And Maggie is like fucking pissed and hysterical and. 
then is like, okay, well, if you're going to become a priest, I'm going to send you to Rome and you're going to train under Father Ralph, who's just like a normal family friend, who's normal. We have a normal family friend relationship and you're going to go to Rome and train under him. Uh, Oh, and Justine, Justine loses her virginity basically by being like, well, I guess I should do this. Yes. (laughs) And a guy offers and she's like, okay, let's go now. And then there's a mirror pointed at the bed. Right. So she sees them fucking from behind and it's hysterical and she can't stop laughing. And the guy gets real offended. Yeah, because well, he's this like older actor and he thinks he's being like really smooth and seducing this like beautiful young virgin and she's just like LOL. He's married too, right? Yeah. Justine is an iconic figure. She's amazing. Justine of- is perfect. <laughs> Fuck Dane. Justine is perfect. Just yes. Um, Justina's so, hashtag goals on every level. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Dane goes off to Rome to start training to be a priest, and Justine goes off to London to be an actress so they can still be near each other. And uh, when Justine comes to visit, Ralph introduces her to Rainer, who is a soldier that he met by chance during World War II. He was a German soldier who was seeking. Like he came God. to pray. He like snuck into a church to pray because yes. he was a Catholic German. Yes, and he, um, he. It is clear in this scene. The book makes it very clear that he like does not believe in the Nazi ideals, but he's German and he was an orphan, so they made him join up because they made all the boys in the orphanages join the war. And, like, he doesn't have a problem with Jewish people. He just wants to live a German, normal German life. And he doesn't like Hitler, but, like, he's in the army, so he probably has to do whatever Hitler says. It's, yeah, it's very... Like, like, I don't know. Why? Why? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But so he, after the war, he married this rich widow uh, because he learned some stuff about technology and he married a rich widow who owned like radio stores and then made better technology, divorced her, paid her twice as much as her factories originally cost and now is like being, becoming like politically important in parliament or something in german parliament and he and justine get on like a fucking house on fire they start bantering like immediately and become bffs and then dane is getting ordained in the church and maggie won't go to the church to see it happen and he's real upset and on the way this is like seven years later on the way to the ordination justine is like oh hey like rainer's outfit is cool today too bad he's ugly Oh, actually, he's not that ugly. Actually, I want to fuck him. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Yes. So Dane wants to confront his mom about not coming to his ordination. But first, he wants to, like, psych himself up for it. So he's going to go on vacation to Greece. And he begs Justine to come with him. And she's going to do it. But then she gets back to her hotel and finds out that her director has cast her as Desdemona and it's a role she's always wanted to play so she uh, decides to not go on the trip and instead like discover this new thing with Rainer and play Desdemona and while on the trip to Greece uh, Dane sees some people drowning and so he goes out to save them but then after he saves them he gets caught in the current and drowns yep farewell my perfect boy 
Yes. So he... Beautiful cinnamon roll, too pure. Uh, so everyone's like real upset and they call Justine first because she was listed as this emergency contact and she Which panics. it explicitly says no, not emergency contact, it says next of kin. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it explicitly says that Dane put her name there because he did not know what next of kin meant. Yes. Uh, so she doesn't know what to do and like panics and is like well, because, no, because the government's like, oh, you're his sister, not his parents. Like, we can't, you're not allowed to make this decision. Uh, we have to talk to his actual parents, not you. Goodbye. And she's like, no, wait, I probably could tell you. Yeah. But then nobody can get a hold, then Greece has a revolution, and nobody can get a hold of anybody to yeah. to get Dane's body back. So they just, like, bury him, question mark? Yeah, they won't pay for an international call to Australia, so they have to send a telegram, and by the time... They get the telegram and then respond. They're like, oh, like, we just fucking buried him somewhere. No one knows. So Maggie goes to Rome to ask uh, Ralph to help find him. Not ask, to inform Ralph that he will help. Yes. And Ralph's like, I I don't have time. And she's like, would you do it for your son? And he's like, I don't have a son. And she's like, surprise. (laughs) Uh, and he freaks out, but he does do it, and then, like, has, like, a long-term freak out about it, and then dies. Yeah. <laughs> dies yeah. because of the knowledge. Dies that processing this, this knowledge. Son. So the last section is Justine. The last section and... is very short. We are in the home stretch, y'all. Yes. <laughs> so Justine is just, like, devastated. She blames herself for... Uh, Dane's death. She's like, if I hadn't been like so excited to fuck Rainer and <laughs> to play Desdemona, I would have gone on vacation with him, and he would. I probably would have survived for reasons. And uh, she like pulls away from Rainer. She pulls away from everyone. She doesn't go home to Dorito to visit. At that point, they had fucked, right? Like, yeah, they it was had the day, yeah, they fucked, and then the day after she got the phone call, that yeah. she, she's, like, riding this high, and then she's like, I did this with my fucking. Uh, so she's going to retire and go back to Dorito, she decides, because, like, her mother sends her a letter. Well, first, Rainer goes to visit her mother and is like, you have to tell her not to come here, because if she comes here, she'll hate it, she'll resent you, and she'll wither away, and it won't be enough for her, and she'll be miserable. And... Uh, Maggie's like, well, what if I want her to come here? And he's like, well, fuck that, because, like, I love her, and I know she loves me, and if she stays in London with me, she can act, and she can have me, and that'll maybe be enough to keep her entertained. But, like, if she comes back here, like, fucking, she'll be miserable. She married Boy King. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so curious we don't get any more information about Boy (laughs) King. Somebody named Boy King, and that's who Justine would marry if she moved back to Dorito. It's just like, Boy King? What are you talking about? Like, you made up this name, either, like, you... It's like she, like, was, like, working in the Google Doc, and she's like, I'll come up with a better name later. Boy King. I'll never, like, remember, I'll never forget that, that I wanted to do that. I'll remember to change it. Oh, shit. <laughs> God, he's not even man king. You poor child. <laughs> Eternally a boy king, never a man king. Uh, so Maggie, uh, uh, Ma- Maggie writes her a letter and says, "Like 
You can don't come, come home to visit, but don't stay. Like, you yeah. don't have to go home, but you, you can't stay here. Yeah. And, uh... Justine, like, goes to Rainer's and is like, oh, like, I guess, because they've, like, rekindled their friendship recently, and is like, I'm going to Dorito, like, I sold my apartment, I'm just, I quit acting, I'm gonna go there, and he's like, oh, well, that sucks, oh, well, and she's, like, mad that he's not more mad. Yeah, Rainer's excellent at playing Justine's game, but Justine invented the game, so (laughs) don't... Um. And he's, like, got this house there, and she, because she had thought he was coming back and forth to London just to see her, and he's like, oh, no, like, I've got, like, diplomat things going on, like, you're just a clever ruse, and uh, she's like, oh, okay, Uh, but then it turns out that he did not have diplomat things going on, he was there to see her, everything else has just been a long con to get her to realize that she wants to stay in London with him and not, like, even when she quit her acting job... Like, her director called Rainer and was like, what the fuck? And Rainer was like, just go along with it. It'll be fine. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she's like, okay, well, I guess we'll get a house and I'll marry you and we'll live here and I won't go back to Dorito. And that's the end of the book. (laughs) That's the end of the book. Yeah, that's pretty abruptly. Yeah. Although, given how much this encompasses, like, I don't even, like, what's a natural ending point? I guess it's just there when everyone's point. dead. Yeah. It's when there's nuclear holocaust and all of remaining Clearies <laughs> perish from this earth. But yeah, so that was that incredibly long, convoluted misery porn. With, like, yeah, there's no arc to it. It's just, it's just... Events mm, that happen. Events. Just things that happen, foods described, farming techniques... So, like, this is the thing that, like, bugged me about Maggie the whole time, is it's not just things that happen, it's just things that happen to Maggie. I don't feel like Maggie makes a decision the whole book, it's just things act on her. Mm, I mean, she makes the decision to get when pregnant. Kind of, yeah, and, like, like once, like, that is the most active she is when she's like, alright. Gotta even, get like, this baby, gotta, gotta when Luke scheme. Rolls up, she's not like, well, we could get married, she's like, I don't really want to do this thing, but then he's like, we're gonna do it. So, like, he wears her down, and she just goes with it, because she's like, I guess this is what I want, and then, you know, finally she uses him as a tool to get pregnant, and, like, that section of the book is, I think, the most active, but even, like, her friends sent her on vacation. Her friends sent Ralph to her on vacation. That's the only reason they finally bone. Yeah. I just, Maggie, girl, aspire to something. Yeah. I wish the whole book was about Justine. I love her. Justine's great. Justine's great. I, and I like Fee a lot, too. If it was just Fee. Yeah. I feel like, like I wanted to story. know much more about Fee. Yeah, and that's why I feel like if it was yeah. about her, then, like, we would get that whole scope and, like, the years leading up to before Maggie is four. Because <laughs> a lot happened in that time to Fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of babies. A lot yeah. of babies. So many babies. And I also, of course, would like to know more about Boy King. God yes, God. We're, I can't believe it's like she she, Colleen McCullough died recently, so she can't even write as the Boy King book. Shit, could have started writing letters to her. Well, I know what my Thornbirds fan fiction is. Uh, interestingly, oh? I read an article that said that uh, similarly, her estate was in legal question. Yes. Because when she and her husband were having trouble, she decided that she was leaving her whole estate to some university, and then they got back together and she changed her will, so there was this question of whether she really did, or whether he, like, 
pressured her into doing it. Oh, shit. But they, this time they, they landed on the side of the husband and not the uh, institution, <laughs> unlike in the book. This woman was buck wild, and I kind of love her. <laughs> she, she was a neurophysicist and then just decided she would write books on the side. And then this was like her second book. And it's one of the best-selling novels of yeah. all time or something There like was that. a huge bidding war for it. It was wild. <laughs> but she's also just... <laughs> there's this Daily Mail article. I'll send the link. Um, talking about... Because they made a musical of this. Of course they did. Of course they did. But they were talking about the miniseries, which she hated. It was instant vomit. She shrieks through a cloud of smoke. Ward couldn't act her way out of a paper bag and Chamberlain wandered around all wet and wide-eyed. The filming was done in Hawaii. There was only one kangaroo on set, and everyone sounded American except Brian Brown, whose Oz accent stuck out like a dingo's bits. <laughs> wow. What? And there's just stuff about, like, she's like, nah, I didn't want to settle down with anyone. I just fucked men left and right. They loved me because I wasn't beautiful, but I was amazing. And I was like, this girl's <laughs> wild, and I love her. <laughs> Living the dream. Also, she's like, Maggie was my mother. Maggie and the Thorn Birds is basically my mother. I detested her. Can you imagine writing a 280,000 word book and hating your heroine? Oh she was goodness. everything I despise in a woman. She suffered. And worst of all, she enjoyed suffering. So what a move that was. Yeah. That we have all felt the repercussions from. Yeah, right? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Anyway. Amazing. <sighs> this was the book. The end. Yeah. Guys... I liked it. <laughs> let's, well, let's... Sure. Okay. It, it, it was better than Red Rising. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 1920s Australia has bathrooms. It does. It does. The, the hygiene here was so much better than it is on Mars. <laughs> Alright. Let's, let's move to some dramatic readings. Sounds good. So this first one... Okay, first of all, right, right away, expressing how much better and cleaner it is to live in Australia than it is on Mars. And uh, I will be Father Ralph, Becca will be Mary Carson, the horny rich lady, and Kate will be the narrator, who is also kind of horny. Mary Carson heard him calling before any of her staff did, for he had chosen to walk around to the front of the house, thinking it would be easier to reach his room. You're not coming inside like that. Then be a dear, get me several towels and my case. Unembarrassed, she watched him peel off his shirt, boots, and breeches, leaning against the half-open window into her drawing room as he toweled the worst of the mud off. You're the most beautiful man I've ever seen, Ralph de Bricassart. Why is it so many priests are beautiful? The Irishness? They're rather a handsome people, the Irish. Or is it that beautiful men find the priesthood a refuge from the consequences of their looks? I bet the girls in Gilly just eat their hearts out over you. I learned long ago not to take any notice of lovesick girls. Any priest under 50 is a target for some of them, and a priest under 35 is usually a target for all of them. But it's only the Protestant girls who openly try to seduce me. You never answer my questions outright, do you? Straightening, she laid her palm on his chest and held it there. What the fuck is that word? <laughs> just pick a just pick a, a pronunciation and go with it. Kind of like. 
You're you're a Sybarite, Ralph. You lie in the sun. Are you as brown all over? Smiling, he leaned his head forward, then laughed into her hair, his hands unbuttoning the cotton drawers. As they fell to the ground, he kicked them away, standing like a Praxiteli statue. Did I say that right? Who knows? No one knows what we're saying in this. It's uh, okay. unknown, unknowable. <laughs> While she toured all the way around him, taking her time and looking. The last two days had exhilarated him. So did the sudden awareness that she was perhaps more vulnerable than he had imagined. But he knew her, and he felt quite safe in asking. Do you want me to make love to you, Mary? She eyed his flaccid penis, snorting with laughter. I wouldn't have dreamed of putting you to so much trouble. Do you need women, Ralph? No. Men? They're worse than women. No, I don't need them. How about yourself? Least of all. Interesting. Pushing the window all the way up, she stepped through into the drawing room. Ralph, Cardinal de Bricassard? She mocked. But away from these, those discerning eyes of his, she sagged back into her wing chair and clenched her fists. The gesture, the gesture which rails against the inconsistencies of fate. Naked, Father Ralph stepped off the veranda to stand on the barbered lawn with his arms raised above his head, eyes closed. He let the rain pour over him in warm, probing, spearing runnels, an exquisite sensation on bare skin. It was very dark, but he was still flaccid. <laughs> Unlike a normal man who gets real horny at the rain. Yeah! <laughs> God! What does the priest had robbed you of? <laughs> so, yeah, Mary Carson real horny for it. But playing it cool. And he's just... <laughs> playing at something. I don't even know what he's doing anymore. He's just, he's letting it air out. Sometimes you just gotta air the junk out. Or so I've heard from people who have junk. While, while leaning into an old woman and asking if you want, if she wants you to make love to her. I mean, who knows? <laughs> the breathing, the words. I don't have junk, air. so I don't know if that's what you have to do. <laughs> oh, goodness. Alright, uh, I'm gonna do the next... Dramatic reading, which is one of the letters that Justine sends home, and a little bit before that. So this is after she moves to London and Dane moves to uh, Rome. It was lovely reading letters and a burden writing them. That is, for all save Justine, who experienced twinges of exasperation because no one ever sent her the kind she desired. Fat, wordy, and frank. It was from Justine the Dorito people got most of their information about Dane, for his letters never plunged his readers right into the middle of a scene, whereas Justine's did. And then this is Justine's letter. Rain flew into London today, and he was telling me he saw Dane in Rome last week. Well, he sees a lot more of Dane than of me, since Rome is at the top of his travel agenda and London is rock bottom. So I must confess, rain is one of the prime reasons why I meet Dane in Rome every year before we come home. Dane likes coming to London, only I won't let him if rain is in Rome. Selfish, but you've no idea how I enjoy rain. He's one of the few people I know who gives me a run for my money, and I wish we met more often. In one respect, rain's luckier than I am. He gets to meet Dane's fellow students, whereas I don't. I think Dane thinks I'm going to rape them on the spot. Or maybe he thinks they'll rape me. Ha! Only happen if they saw me in my char... 
Charmian costume. It's a stunner, people. It really is. Sort of up-to-date Thetabara. Two little round bronze shields for the old tits, lots and lots of chains, and what I reckon is a chastity belt. You'd need, need a pair of tin cutters to get inside of it anyway. In a long black wig, tan body paint, and my few scraps of metal, I look a smasher. Where was I? Oh, yes. Rain is in Rome last week meeting Dane and his pals. They all went out on the tiles. Rain insists on paying, saves Dane embarrassment. It was some night. No women, Natch, but everything else. Can you imagine Dane down on his knees in some seedy Roman bar saying, Fair daffodils, we haste to see thee weep so soon away, to a vase of daffodils? He tried for ten minutes to get the words of the quotation in their right order and couldn't. Then he gave up, put one of the daffodils between his teeth instead, and did a dance. Can you ever imagine Dane doing that? Rain says it's harmless and necessary, all work and no play, etc. Women being out, the next best thing is a skinful of grog. Or so Rain insists. Don't get the idea it happens often. It doesn't. And I gather when it does, Rain is the ringleader, so he's along to watch out for them, the naive lot of raw prawns. But I did laugh to think of Dane's halo slipping during the course of a flamenco dance with a daffodil. Uh, Justine's the best. The end. Truly. <sighs> All right. Our final reading is Ralph's final moment on this earth. <laughs> he tried to see what it was he had done wrong. Too much wrong. That was the trouble. Pride, ambition, a certain unscrupulousness, and love for Maggie flowering among them. But the crowning glory of that love he had never known. What difference would it have made to know his son was his son? Was it possible to love the boy more than he had? Would he have pursued a different path if he had known about his son? Yes, cried his heart. No, sneered his brain. He turned on himself bitterly. Fool. You ought to have known Maggie was incapable of going back to Luke. You ought to have known at once whose child Dane was. She was so proud of him. All she could get from you, that was what she said to you in Rome. Well, Maggie, in him you got the best of it. Dear God, Ralph, how could you not have known he was yours? You ought to have realized it when he came to you a man grown, if not before. She was waiting for you to see it, dying for you to see it. If only you had, she would have gone on her knees to you. But you were blind. You didn't want to see. Ralph Raoul, Cardinal de Bricassart, that was what you wanted. More than her. More than your son. More than your son! The room had become filled with tiny cries, rustles, whispers. The clock was ticking in time with his heart. And then it wasn't in time anymore. He had got out of step with it. Maggie and Fee were swimming to their feet, drifting with frightened faces in a waterly, watery, insubstantial mist, saying things to him he couldn't seem to hear. <laughs> he cried, understanding. <laughs> he was hardly conscious of the... Fuck. He was hard... <laughs> You're such a good actor, Becca. I'm really good. Thank you. I'm transported to Ralph's deathbed. Those are all understanding. Ah. 
He was hardly conscious of the pain, intent only in Maggie's arms around him, though his head sank against her. But he managed to turn until he could see her eyes and looked at her. He tried to say, forgive me, and saw she had forgiven him long ago. She knew she had got the best of it. Then he wanted to say something so perfect she would be eternally consoled, and realized that wasn't necessary either. Whatever she was, she could bear anything. Anything. So he closed his eyes and let himself feel that last time forgetfulness in Maggie. End of chapter, end of Ralph's life. Goodbye. <laughs> Good riddance. All right. Let's uh, move on. Let's just play a couple quick rounds of fucking, marrying, killing. Yes. Uh, Excellent. The game where, of course, in tribute to Bill O'Reilly and his killing books, we uh, use Jaren's only. And uh, our first one is going to be fucking, marrying, killing, Father Ralph, Rainer, and Luke. Who I only put in this game so we could all have the joy of killing him. <laughs> uh, well, that is a very good guess because I would absolutely killing Luke. Um, I think, God, because if I have to do one or the other, I think I would fucking Ralph because apparently he's good enough at it that, like, fucking Maggie suddenly knows how to do sex. <laughs> and Mary or Or maybe he'll be flaccid and you don't have to do it. Exactly. It's true. Uh, Goodbye. And, uh, <laughs> marrying Rainer because he was fucking awesome. Yeah, same. 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 Yeah. Um, okay, great. Uh, now for the ladies. And you can just sort of imagine these at, at all at an equivalent age, I guess. <laughs> sure. Because um, it's, you know, the full sets of generations. I'm not necessarily saying you need to be fucking Fee when she's a grandma. Yeah, 70-year-old Fee, 50-year-old Maggie, or 30-year-old Justy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but, the, yeah, it is the ladies' round of fucking Mary and Killing with Fee, Maggie, and Justine. Which is hard, because, like, on one hand, I want to marrying Justine because she's great. I want to keep her around. But also, I feel like she would probably be the best at fucking, also. Yeah. Yeah. And also, kind of exhausting. Yeah. So, like, fucking Justine, marrying Fee, killing Maggie. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same. Mm. I was going back and forth between, yeah, the same as Renata. I think fucking Justine, marrying Fee, and fucking killing Maggie. Sorry, Megs. Bye. You know what? Oh, no. Mm, now she has to reunite with Luke and Hal. It's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't act with like everybody in hell. She's got the doll. She's got Patsy's dick. She's got Ralph. <laughs> I'm gonna black out. <laughs> I'm just imagining just his dick floating around in hell, and I love it. <laughs> Maybe one of the demons puts like googly eyes on it. Just, like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Uh, let's move on to some readers' advisory and suggest some books or movies, perhaps to read or watch instead of or in addition to this. Just read any other five books. <laughs> That'll add up your page. Count. You'll add up to this book, and one of them is bound to be interesting. Well, um, like I mentioned, I think the people who like this would probably also like Outlander, except I didn't, so I don't know. But it really just seems like they have the same kinds of appeal factors. Yeah, I um, I put together a list of, like, other 
generational family dramas that I could think of. Uh, That'll be on the website under the Reader's Advisory. Mm -hmm. But what I really want to tell you about is the TV show of The Exorcist. If you want to be entertained by priest fucking (laughs) and, like, cool queer characters and other awesome things, you should just watch this show. It's on Hulu. It's very good. You don't have to have watched the movie The Exorcist to understand it, although there are great Easter eggs if you have. And it's excellent and much better than this book. And the priest's fucking totally like the closest thing to this weirdo Ralph Maggie thing is the kind of like May December thing between the two priests, <laughs> but they're both full adults when they meet. This is true. This is true. They got that going for them. I'll I'll say if you want to watch some people doing hard work in Australia, but also maybe you want to look at Hugh Jackman wearing like not a lot of clothes, just uh, <laughs> watch the iconic Baz Luhrmann film Australia, which is perhaps not a good movie. But a great movie. <laughs> like when he showers in the water tank, my god. <laughs> I uh, it, let's if you make like a SAT, um, what's that called thing where it's like uh, everyone in this book to Father Ralph, Colin, Colin, me to Hugh Jackman in Australia. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, yeah, so we'll we'll have all of those and some other stuff up at worstbestsellers.com, like Kate said. And now we'll move on to our candy pairing, or we'll suggest a candy to go along with this book. Uh, my candy pairing is a hard candy that's been dropped in the dirt, and you'll eat it and you'll like it because it's better than the nothing you would have had otherwise. Uh, mine is one of those giant fist-sized jawbreakers, which you will finish before you finish reading this book. Mine is a communion wafer, <laughs> but, like, a sexy communion yeah. wafer. <laughs> As if there's any other kind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love a flaccid disc. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had communion. I don't I, I assume that's... <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry for disrespecting your faith, Catherine. <laughs> Let's move on to the rock, paper, snicked. Which we not. This book has, I feel. <laughs> well, I feel like calling communion wafers a flaccid disc maybe is crossing a line. But I've just repeated it, so I clearly don't feel that bad about it. I mean, mostly it's just that communion wafers are actually very stiff. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they, they, they can't be flaccid. Yeah. I thought they you were bread. They're flaccid. <laughs> I mean, well, they, they are, they're like, it's like a cracker, essentially. Yeah. Mm, okay. But tasteless. But sexy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we've all learned a lot. And... Let me tell you who The Rock would be in this book. <laughs> Please do. Please put a in it. Uh, if Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be a worker at Dorito, hired on after Patty and Stu die. And he would have promised to help take care of the, like, uh, farm or station or whatever it's called um, with the Cleary men. And he would regularly check in on Fee and Maggie, unlike Ralph, who's just kind of like, uh, fucking be good to each other. Bye. See you never. Um, but he would fall in love with Maggie way before Luke could enter the picture. 
And he'd be a good husband who really cared deeply for Maggie and would figure out that she was in love with Father Ralph. But he'd help her understand how fucking creepy the whole thing is and kind of help her get over Ralph little by little to live like a happy life with The Rock and their children and be very fulfilled and not like fucking miserable all the time. That sounds cool. Uh, if Wolverine were in this book, he would be cutting sugarcane with Luke because he is a real man who loves to do hard labor. And also he has claws, which are just like built in machetes. So he is the perfect candidate for this job. But he uh, would also realize immediately that Luke is a dick. Uh, but being Wolverine, he would get in a fight with Luke and just straight up murder him. R.I.P. Luke. Really? Do we really want him to rest in peace, though? Burn in hell, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer for either of these is either one of them take Luke aside and is like, bro, you want to marry Arnie. <laughs> Y'all can cut farm, cut sugar together. All you, well, You're in love with Arnie. Because he is. <laughs> and he's in love with the sugar cane. You know what? I don't know that much about Arnie, but like, why are you punishing Arnie, though? I don't know. Arnie seemed into it. They were inseparable. Like, literally, the- no, they were attached right. to the hip. I guess. I guess he wouldn't have found that to be a, the curse that it was. No, no. Um, I think I'm going to go with The Rock. Hmm. Mostly because I'm just picturing, like, Dwayne Johnson in, like, period dress, like, sweaty farmer clothes, sleeves mm. rolled up. Mm. It looked real good. Tell me it more. It looked real good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, what's the moral of the story? Morals? Who needs morals? Not priests. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my moral of the story is that your life is going way better than you thought it was because you're not any of the people in this book. I don't know. I think if I were Justine, I'd be doing great. But anyway, my moral of the story is ban priests. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just nip this in the bud. Just any one of you could turn out wrong, so we're just getting ready to... Yeah, I mean, this is, it is more specific than band men, but it's still, I I recognize it's still casting a pretty wide net, but I don't see a flaw. (laughs) All right, now it is time for Duarte's Corner when my cat Duarte will share his opinions about the book. Yeah, it was, it was rough on animals, this book. For sure. But I, I also liked the uh, the side characters of the Cardinals to cats. Yes. But the book is already so long that I don't think they should have had their own chapters dedicated to them. There should be a spinoff, though, where the Cardinals cats uh, team up with Boy King. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like one of those cozy mysteries where the cats can talk and Boy King is like, I'm Detective Boy King. I do like the the cats. What is it? The Cardinals cats? Yeah. I mean, they're all promoted all so many times in this book. That they're, he's always just like, oh, these cats don't like anyone. And I'm like, bro, that's just cats. <laughs> but they do like Ralph. Even the they cats like are Ralph. horny for Ralph. Because he's so handsome, Renata. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. The cats are horny for Ralph. And also, his dick's never hard, so there's always space on his lap. <laughs> <laughs> One of them liked Rainer. <sighs> That's true. And then that actually that was the one that after the that cardinal died, Rainer was like, "My cat this now." Is my cat now, yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, Duarte, thanks as ever for your opinions, and uh, don't worry, I'm not gonna send you to live on a sheep station. 
Don't worry. All right, do any humans have any closing thoughts? Oh my god, this book was so long. It was very long. So long. It was very long. I wasn't that mad about it. <laughs> I don't know why. I was really dreading it when I got it. I was like, it's so many pages. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> this this is podcast ex- is broken. You are not a... <laughs> this is true. Yeah, it's probably true in something that will... I could have read five good books in this time. Mm, but you just read one great book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's you too far. You can see the face she just made. <laughs> Boy, oh, boy king. Uh, <laughs> boy king, the real hero. <laughs> That's my fanfic. I'm, I'm into the boy king cozy mystery. <laughs> and then every other character needs to have like the same convention. So he has a sidekick whose name is like Girl Queen. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, non-binary ruler. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and together they fight crime. Excellent. A quick uh, search seems to reveal there is not Thorn Birds fanfiction on AO3. I find that shocking, actually. I know. I'm gonna go straight for books, but I just looked for Thorn Birds nothing came up. Boy King, let's wrap this up. If you, for some reason, want some more of this whole situation, you can like us on Facebook, where we're facebook.com slash worstbestsellers. Uh, we are on Twitter at worstbestseller with no S, because the S got shot off in World War II. It was tragic. Tell us about Goodreads, Renata. It's full of good books to read, and it also has our uh, discussion group, and you can find all of that link from our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. You can uh, listen to us and subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And if you do do that, please take a moment to rate and review us. Uh, if you rate and review us, it knocks us up a little bit on the charts, makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review us, then, you know, there are so many miserable things that happen in this book that I can't pick one to threaten you with. So your dick will get shot off. <laughs> you can also You'll have to dispose of Mary Carson's rotting corpse cuz that uh, was gross. We didn't even get into that. <laughs> uh, you can also subscribe to us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a site where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to help us do things like pay for hosting, pay Becca to not set our house on fire because we made her read this book, and also she's going to have to then edit this podcast. Uh, so you didn't make her. She picked it. I didn't pick <laughs> she it. Didn't Somebody pick it. submitted it. <laughs> and I said, I've heard of that. And that was apparently enough to get me on the episode. Well, uh, I had nothing to do with this. You were there. <laughs> anyway, you pay us money and we do things and then you get things like a newsletter if you pledge $3 or more or other stuff. You should check we're it out. We're going to watch Rob Lowe's Bigfoot hunting show. Oh my god. Oh, we're yeah. going gonna to do that and we're so close to the Lizzie Borden sleepover, guys. Tell your friends to sign up. I want to <laughs> go on that sleepover. Uh, you can find all that and more on patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. 
Uh, we also have a merch store, which you can get to by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on store. Uh, we've got all sorts of stuff with quotes from the show and our logo and all sorts of other things. So head on over there and you can get stickers and... You can go get a onesie that says, don't imprint on me to save your child from werewolves and priests. Yes. Mm-hmm. If only Maggie had had one. Only. Uh, but yes, you can wear our podcast on your body. Or your baby's body. Or your baby's body. Or your body if you are a baby listening to this podcast. <laughs> Hi, babies! <laughs> uh, if you just want me personally, I'm at Renata Snacks. Uh, if you want me personally, I'm on various social media platforms at 14 Across. I am Gin Enthusiastic. And that's okay. all. That's yeah, all the that's things. It. Oh, we've done it. We've done podcasts. Oh, no. Uh, we'll, be back in t- we'll be back in two weeks with another podcast. This one will be part one of our annual best and worst of 2018. So g- get ready for us to talk about some good books. Although we just haven't, because again, this book was good. <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously considering the continuation of this podcast going into 2019, Renata. Stop saying it was good. <laughs> Okay, bye! Bye!